Hi there. Today's message is part six of our series, Letters to the Thessalonians, and it's finishing off this part of 1 Thessalonians. And we are talking today about Paul's advice for Christian living. You see, he gives some advice at the end of his letter, and we need to really dig into it and just absorb it. Now, you may have noticed that I'm recording this message today from a different setting. In fact, I'm in the living room uh, of my home, and it's because I'm at home sick this weekend. Um, I'm obviously not sick enough that I can't uh, share the Word of God, but I didn't want to uh, bring sickness into anybody else's life, so I thought I needed to just record it and then uh, enable the church to watch it. And so, have you ever noticed that when people are sick, that there's a lot of others that tend to give you uh, advice? I mean, if you have a sore knee, there's somebody that's going to have a cream to just fix that particular problem. And if you have a headache, then there's people that will give you advice about how to lay down and how many pills to take. There's all kinds of advice that we give because of, of medicine. I mean, ultimately, if you have the hiccups, my wife will tell you about, uh, you know, drinking from the underside of a cup in order to get rid of them. There's all kinds of things that happen when people have colds and flus and other things. But one of the things that happened when I was a kid was that any time any of the grandchildren had a tummy ache and we went to my grandmother, she had a surefire recipe to help us with that stomach problem. And ultimately, she believed in extract of wild strawberry. The stuff is horrid. It is. It tastes absolutely foul. And she used to have to put sugar or honey on a spoon in order to get us to take this stuff. And we would grimace and we'd not want it. And, you know, it, in fact, I think part of the solution was that it tasted so bad that most of the grandkids didn't even want to tell her they were sick in the first place. Ultimately, what, ha- what uh, happened with this stuff was that she believed that once you took it, things would either go up or things would go down. And ultimately, it it worked. Now, I'm not going to describe any more to you. I just know that uh, that was my grandmother's recipe for stomach problems. Well, people give advice for all kinds of situations. And in our present day, we can see that on the political realm. We can see that um, when it comes to other things that uh, people are doing in their life for business or for relationships. Everybody has some advice. Well, Paul has some advice for the church in Thessalonica, and he wants them to take it seriously, the things that he would say at the end of this letter. And so let's begin in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and uh, starting at verse 12, says this, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work, and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be Thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. 
Greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all of the brothers and sisters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, we need to understand that spiritual life is really important that it saturate our entire daily living. Because when we have Jesus, when we're following Jesus, then we want that to shine through in our entire life. Not just coming to church or not just worshiping or praying in a church building. We want Jesus to be seen everywhere we go, every, everywhere that uh, we're participating in activity, the people that we're meeting, whether it be on the street or in relationship, in business, at home, family. All of those things, the life that we have with Jesus, the relationship that we have ref- reflects and matters about those things. Think about all the mirrors in your home. I mean, after all, we have uh, multiple mirrors in our home. Ultimately, there's a mirrors in the bathroom that people use to check their hair and makeup and things. There's a mirror in our hallway so that when you leave in the entryway, you, you can take a quick look and make sure that you look okay and presentable for the people that you'll meet once you exit that door. There's uh, mirrors that are for decoration. And all of these things are for reflecting light and making it more beautiful in our home. We have mirrors all over the house. And ultimately, it's meant to reflect. Well, as a Christian, we are meant to reflect Jesus Christ. And this is the main point of my message today. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should be spiritual in our daily life, paying attention to relationships and attitude so that we can continue to reflect the character of Jesus. You see, people are looking at you. The question is, do they see Jesus when they see you? And Paul wanted the church to represent Christ well in their city, as much as any leader today in any church wants their parishioners and their members to reflect Christ in our cities. And so Paul gives a number of pieces of advice to the Christians, and he breaks, I'm going to break it down into three areas. And the first of those is relationship with others. You see, he mentions these three different sets of people that are relationships with others, and he gives some advice about them. They are leaders, they are people who are troubled, and they are people that have wronged you. I mean, ultimately, he says about the leaders that we should treat spiritual leaders with respect. We, we have a really good team of leaders here at North Douglas Church. I mean, we have... We have staff members and elders and deacons and other teachers and uh, many volunteers. And I just consider the, the people working together to be of uh, such an importance. And each of them deserves respect. And so I thank you for supporting your leaders. I thank you as a church for coming behind and assisting and helping uh, leaders to show them the respect. Because sometimes the job's hard. And ultimately, when we work together, God is honored. In our relationship with others, we should also uh, be aware that there are those that are in the church as well as in our community that are troubled. Paul mentions those that are shy, those that are uh, lazy. He mentions those that are weak. And he says that we need to be patient with people. We need to help people. And this is so important because as we come in contact with those that have various needs, whether it be an emotional need or whether it's something that uh, is uh, more tangible and physical in nature, we need to come alongside and show the love of God and really help people. 
Jesus wants us to do that. And so ultimately, in Paul's advice to the church is to pay attention to those kind of relationships. Just don't push people off. And of course, the, the last one that he mentions in that group is just about those that have wronged you. He says, don't pay back evil for evil. You know, in our present day, you know, there's so much angst and anger that is within our culture that people tend to think that they should get revenge. They should get back. They should do something that is definitely not a godly act. And so Paul is reminding the church that we're not to take revenge, that we're to be people that would do what is good, help others in a way that demonstrates the goodness of God. And so please, uh, as we are uh, dealing with other people, both in the church and outside the church, continue to do that which is good when we're considering our relationships with others. The second area of advice that Paul pays attention to and asks the Christians to pay attention to is about Christian attitude. In verse 16, uh, it says, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That's a, some great verses to remember. Uh, you know, to, to have that kind of Christian attitude that really demonstrates who Jesus is. And Paul really puts it in this very short Uh, sentences, very understandable context. He talks about joy, always rejoice. And we need to pay attention to the attitude of joy. There's so many people that get down and depressed within our world. God brings joy in even the most difficult circumstances. And I believe that he gives the joy of the Lord, even when things are really lousy. We need to trust in Him to bring that joy. And I believe that we can nurture that attitude of joy when we remember to think on what is good. You know, when we put good things into our mind, when we put good things into our thought process, then we will be more joyful. Ultimately, uh, Paul reminded the Philippian church that they should rejoice in the Lord. And I think that we need to remember to do that as we think about the good things. If we only put garbage into our mind, if we only put evil images into our mind, then we are going to think dark thoughts. We are going to be less joyful. And if we think on the things of the Lord, God is going to bring about the joy of the Lord within our lives. The the other attitude, of course, is about prayer. Pray continually. Never stop praying is what Paul said. And ultimately, people can be a little bit overwhelmed by that statement and think, well, how can I pray all the time? I won't be doing anything else. Well, I don't think that's exactly what Paul had in mind. I think what he was saying to to the church was that they don't need to just be in church or at a church meeting to be able to pray. You can pray when you're at home, when you're with your family. You can pray with coworkers or when you're at work or anywhere that you are traveling, any people that you are meeting with you can pray in those situations. And so if you will pray continually, if you will continue to pray always, then it's about just being willing to make your request known to God wherever you are. And when we have that attitude in life, we are always going to have God being involved. And that is hugely important to living a spiritually godly life. The third attitude, of course, is about thankfulness. Said Be thankful in all circumstances. Now, I want you to know that not all circumstances are good. Not all circumstances are something that we should be thankful for. But we should be thankful to the Lord in all circumstances. That God can bring about thankfulness for who He is and how He's with us in the midst of any situation. 
And so let's continue to call on the name of the Lord. Let's continue to look for things that we can be thankful about as we continue our daily living and serving Christ. The third area of advice that Paul gives to the church in Thessalonica is about things of the Spirit. And he's talking about uh, not stopping the Spirit from moving. He's talking about honoring the gift of prophecy. And so uh, I want to just talk about a couple of things here. You see, the Spirit of God can be hindered by people's unbelief or disrespect. And there are times when people have disrespected the things of the Spirit. They have not taken the spiritual uh, very seriously, and they literally put a damper on the move of the Spirit. We want the Spirit of God to have freedom to move. We want to see answers to prayer. We would like to see uh, miracles and wonders and signs happen. And so we depend upon the Holy Spirit. I can't make those things happen of myself. But the Holy Spirit is the one that moves and works and helps people to do all of those things. And ultimately, if we offend him and stop him from moving, then we're just going to be stuck. I mean, we depend on the Holy Spirit even to make the Word of God come alive. And so let's not stop or hinder the moving of the Spirit of God. We need to trust him. We need to believe with faith. And uh, we need to be patient with those that are dealing with spiritual issues. The other part of that, of course, is to honor prophecy. And Paul warns the church about scoffing at prophecy. Now, we need to remember that as people learn to hear from the Lord God Almighty, as they're hearing from the Holy Spirit, they need to take what God is telling them and then to share that in their own language, in their own words. That can be a really difficult process. It can be a hard thing to try and get across the vision or the, even the words that God would give us to be able to share with others. And so we are to be patient with others. Uh, we shouldn't scoff when people are trying to bring across the word of the Lord that they uh, have been given, that they need to share. And we need to have some discernment. We need to look at things and say, is this something that God is giving to just an individual? Is this something that is for the entire church? And ultimately, we will not treat prophecy with contempt when we have an attitude of examining it and seeing what God is saying to us as a whole. As I come to the end of this message, I want you to know that when Paul comes to the end of this first letter to the Thessalonians, he brings a blessing to the church. And in this blessing, he's, he's saying, God is going to make you holy. Now, It says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. I think holiness gets a little bit of a bad reputation sometimes because people think that those that are holy are somehow disconnected from reality. In in fact, that the, the holy people are a little bit head in the clouds and they are Uh, you know, not more spiritually minded than earthly good kind of idea. And that should never be our attitude towards holiness because that is not the holiness of God. That is not the kind of thing that God wants for your life, uh, nor is it what he demonstrated through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was holy, and yet he was completely grounded in reality. He was completely engaged with those around him in his world. And so we want to 
reflect and be like Jesus. We want to live the character of Jesus in our life. We want to be that kind of holy. I call that relational holiness. You see, it's being connected to God and being connected to the world around us in a way that all of those things are in relationship. That's the way Jesus lived, and I believe that's what Paul is asking the church to do, that we should be holy like God wants us to be, engaged with our world, connected to Him. It's so very important. Now, Jesus emphasized this in a practical way when the teacher of a law came to him and said, what are the greatest commandments? Jesus said, well, what do the scriptures say? And the man answered, of course, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can read that whole story in Luke chapter 10, starting at uh, verse 25. But the truth is, when the leader was given that answer to the message, love your neighbor as yourself, um, Jesus brought a story, a parable, to emphasize and apply the message, to bring it into reality, to the real world. And he told the story of the Good Samaritan. You see, in Jesus' story, there was a Jewish man that had been beaten, robbed, and left for dead on the side of the road. And along came both a priest at one point and a scribe of the temple, and they passed by this man without doing anything. However, a Samaritan, who the Jews despised, came along, and he picked the man up, tended to his wounds, even paid for his care. And Jesus asked the teacher of the law, after he had told this story, he said, Which of these three was the man that loved his neighbor? And of course, the teacher of the law got the point, the one that helped him. You see, holiness is very practical. Holiness is really demonstrating the goodness of God in our everyday life. Those that we run across, those that we come upon in our business or in our home or in our school. Everywhere we go, God has something to say uh, about how we act towards those that we engage with, our, the attitude that we carry. And he wants us to reflect the character of Jesus Christ. Christianity is living a day-to-day life in demonstrating the character of Jesus. And I know that's what God wants for you. That's what Paul wanted for the church in Thessalonica. And we need to be the kind of people that would rise up and say, God, You can help me to live a holy, godly, spiritual life each and every moment of my day. And and He will walk with you. The Spirit of God will be with you. Pay attention to these things. So let's go and reflect the goodness of God in every way that we can. Let me pray for you today. Father God, thank you for being with us. Thank you for helping us and wanting us to demonstrate who you are in our everyday life. I thank you for the advice that Paul gave to the church, and I pray that we would take it seriously, paying attention to the attitude and relationships we have, whether that relationship with you or that relationship with others. We we want to nurture those things in a good way and demonstrate the goodness that you share with us to others. Help us to reflect that in every way. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.